and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Kai Van Black, and I'd like you to hear something. You're hearing Further Into You by Coma Regalia, featuring the host of Everything Remade, my pal, Sean Decker, on vocals and guitars. If you haven't watched the video already, go watch it on the Middleman Records YouTube channel. I was born at uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which is in Dayton, Ohio. Um, I, my grandmother worked at the Air Force Base, and my mom was 17 when she had me. So my mom was just like there after school one day and um, went into labor, and they had me at the Air Force Base hospital. Um, oh, well. For a long time when I was a kid, uh, because supposedly this is this Air Force Base is the second like highest um it has one of the second highest clearance areas of any like whatever in, in the US. And supposedly there's like alien artifacts and stuff there. So for a long time when I was a kid I fantasized about like I was like made in a test tube, you know, wow. uh, I was some kind of alien, you know, I had a real like X-Men origin for my, you know, own headcanon. Um, it must have been sort of empowering. Uh, yeah, in a way, you know, especially because like I didn't know my biological father or, or uh, who he was like growing up and stuff. And um, so, uh, you know, any kind of like it's sort of like abuse and um, whatever, like I just had this little... I had this little fantasy that I could tuck myself away in that, like, you know, these people, like, whoever, like, weren't really like me. And that if I just, if I just knew where I really came from, you know, uh, <laughs> kind of thing. Totally. And, um, yeah, like you're plugged into something deeper. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, um, and so did you spend a lot of time on that, that base when you were younger? Uh, I, I don't... I, I actually don't remember being there ever, but I know I was like when I was really young. Um, totally. But I, I, yeah, I don't remember being there either. My earliest memories are like really like shitty apartments and stuff. Yeah. I relate to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, was your mom really into music? Like what were the, what were the sounds in, in the apartment? Um, no, I, I don't. So my mom, like, She's, you know, she's an average listener, you know, she's not, she never was super invested in music, but she did, she did like love Elvis and she played 
like videos all the time. And when I was little, like that was a big way for me to like get my mom's attention was I would uh, mimic Elvis's dancing. So that was adorable. um, And I had a little, I had a little fake, I had a guitar with the Smurfs on it. And um, (laughs) I would dance and I would have this guitar and I would sing. I don't like, I don't know if I was really singing Elvis songs or if I was just singing whatever I wanted and just dancing around. And, uh, and um, so I don't know. That's such a sweet sort of like shared experience around that for like a growing kid. Yeah, I mean, um, it was it was it was kind of like my my grandma that um, had reminded me of that like later on, like and she'd be like, "Oh, you were so cute," and that was you know, really like um, some like tender moments with my grandmother who we didn't always have tender moments with, you know. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Um. And so did you end up playing in school bands or anything? Did you have any like formal music education? So I did. Uh, I did play in school band like kind of a lot, but I never, you know, nothing ever clicked with me. Even like I played violin for a long time and I, I'm like, I, I'm told I was pretty good. Like I was like mm-hmm. second behind the best person or whatever. Um, whatever that means, like, and, um, and like, but I just didn't like it. And by that time, you know, um, my mom had remarried and my stepdad played guitar, like loud Mm -hmm. in the house. And like, I was like, yes, rock music. Um, so later I, I, I convinced like them, like, let me play drums in the school band. And they were like, Mm -hmm. okay. So my dad's friend, who was a drummer, brought over this snare drum in this case and was like, um, you can use this, but whenever, whenever it's, you're not using it at school or at home to practice, it goes back in this case, no questions asked, you know? So sure. um, I didn't do that for very long because I was really small and I was really skinny and I could I could not carry this case like to and from school so I just I didn't do it uh for for very long and I don't remember getting back into school band after that I um I mean honestly that's that's such a big ask for a kid to be like responsible in that way yeah I mean uh, you know it it would have been different if it was like if you just had to like lug it on to the bus or lug it into Mm. the car you know but and I, I'm not trying to be a, you know, walk 30 miles both way type of person, but <laughs> we did, you know, walk to the school and it was Ohio in the winter. That's specifically yeah. what I remember is like, it's way too heavy and it was cold. And I was just like, nope. Yeah. Okay. So then you got out of being, playing in school bands and like, I don't know, what were you into in like high school? Like, what was your interest? Um. Well, I was, uh, I was really into, uh, skateboarding and I was really into mm-hmm. c- comics. Um, I, <clears throat> I, uh, I, w- I wanted to be like, like I, I started knowing some, um, like amateur slash like pro skaters. So like, I was, I always thought like, oh, that'd be so cool. But I like 
was very I was not naive enough to think that was possible because like we were I was skating with people that were like a you know like a year or two younger than me like and um they were way better you know mm-hmm. um, so uh yeah I, um I just I liked you know skating I skated with my cousin all the time skated with some pros um like Rob Deerdeck we used to skate with uh wow. and um yeah and and I liked you know drawing but um I don't I didn't feel like I was very good at that either you know like there was uh that was I guess like you know around the image comics like superhero boom and stuff so mm-hmm. the stuff that I was drawing which would maybe be like it was kind of um more like a similar to artists like Umberto Ramos or something like later, like I would like recognize that that's what I was going for like later. Um, but that wasn't what was really happening. You know, what was really happening was Jim Lee and Rob Liefeld and that I was like, I can't do that. And, um, yeah, so I didn't really have like hopes for that either. Um, I always wanted Mm. to play music and I'd sneak and mess around with my stepdad's guitar. Uh, and, um, but I didn't really see that as a possibility either until later my, you know, my dad said that, um, he was going to give me a guitar for my 16th birthday. And so I kind of like, that was my next thing. I was just like, okay, when I'm 16, it's going to be on, you know? Totally. That's huge. Though. I mean, it sounds like you had even, even with like kind of, um, maybe a like, (laughs) like hopeless outlook that you were like, um, taking the time to like have a artistic practice and have like an outlet for self-expression. And I wonder if I can ask you like, um, like what was the environment of Ohio? Like, like what, what were you expressing? What were you like experiencing in your community or even just like in the landscape of it? Hmm. That's, that's a really good question. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really sure, you know, like we, me, myself and my friends, you know, we lived like, we didn't have like a lot of means, you know, and, um, Mm -hmm. but, um, there was just like, you know, you can always probably say that there's obviously there were people that were doing worse than you you know but like our families were on like government assistance and like you know our families were kind of you know uh um they weren't they our our home lives weren't the greatest you know and um so you know it felt like we were just angry and we were just like rebelling against something that we didn't quite understand or like how like how to you know express ourselves and um you know like i i was the only one really of my friends that like we all like love music we all listen to you know music and you know we'd skate together and stuff um but um i was the only one that like ended up pursuing it 
you know, other than like my cousin, but just like my friends around the neighborhood. Um, and, uh, it, uh, it didn't end up being because my dad gave me a guitar cause our house actually got robbed before that happened. So <laughs> I never got that. Yeah. Um, until I was actually like much, much older. And my dad was like, in, in a like really sweet moment was like, you know, I never gave you that guitar and gave me this, um, uh, Epiphone Sheraton, which I still have and like treasure, but um, oh, that's so nice. Yeah, because it uh, it you know to jump way ahead, it 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 bookends a lot of um, a lot of bad times with my dad, you know, into sure. something that resembles more of a uh, of a kind of amends, you know. Um, I get that. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, um, I was actually about to go back to the guitar and ask, like, okay, so you didn't get the guitar, your, your house got robbed, that's so awful, and, like, and they took the guitar. But um, oh, yeah. They when, took, like, everything, you, but, yeah. Dang, well, yeah, of course. Um, but um, when did you, like, get your start in, in punk, you know? Um, yeah, this is, uh, this is something that I've talked about a few times, so, like, pardon anyone that's like heard this story um a bunch of times but yeah like i said you know we were really into skating and um we uh we would buy thrasher mags and we'd see stuff like um you know the like i'm i'm dating myself a little bit here but like we did we did start skating very young and listening to music like pretty young but um when um when uh, when Master of Puppets was released, uh, mm -hmm. there was a big thing in Thrasher about it. And my cousin was like, I got to get that cassette. And we never heard Metallica. And we got that and we were like, this is like, this is it. This is it. Fast music, loud guitars, like border, borderline, like screamed, you know, um, at least at that time, you know, Metallica was more vocally, was much more intense, you know? And, totally. Uh, and then we and then we we're seeing suicidal tendencies. We're seeing descendants. You know, we start going into that thing, and mm -hmm. then um, yeah, we're just like skating at like abandoned supermarket parking lots, and um, sometimes like kids would just show up, and we trade each other tapes. And there was this there was this one. I like I have no idea who this kid is. I don't even know, like, I need to ask my cousin, actually, if he re even remembers this kid. But there was this kid that used to come and just sit around and hang out and watch us skate and chat with us. And he's, he, was, he was only, like, a couple years older than us. He was, he was maybe 15 or whatever. And he smoked clove cigarettes, and he had, like, white foundation on. And, like, he wore, like, the um, long sleeve, like, fishnets you know, mm -hmm. on his arms and stuff. And we were like, well, I don't know why, but this kid is fucking cool, right? And this kid showed us the misfits and Christian death and, you know, all this this other side that we, like, weren't seeing. And um, oh, yeah. and eventually, you know, somebody came and uh, this was later on in life, but eventually somebody just showed up to a skate, pot, skate spot blasting bad religion out of the back of their car. And it was just like, it was always that connection for me, like skating and, you know, punk music and, uh, and, um, yeah. And like, and art too, because like 
the kids that I knew, they also, like, they want to draw, like, little, <clears throat> like, nobody that I knew was, like, doing graffiti, but, like, that style of artwork was, like, very, mm -hmm. um, like, everybody was, like, drawing on their, like, on their decks with, like, uh, you know, uh, paint markers and stuff in, you know, writing their, like, <clears throat> names or whatever, you know? Totally, totally. Yeah, okay. So then you're, like, coming out of high school, what did you end up doing with yourself? Did you go to school or did you, like, pursue work or, like, what was the trajectory for you? <laughs> well, I – so I – so because I moved – from Ohio to Florida, like after my freshman year in high school, when I got down there, not all of my credits transferred the right way. And I was supposed to like, um, find some way to catch that up, but I never mm. did. I fucked around and I never did. So I actually had to go to like an extra, like few months of school to like, mm finish this thing. And at that time I was with someone who moved to Gainesville to go to university of Florida. And, um, I was like, just still kind of, I wasn't really like I was playing in bands and I had been on tour in bands, you know, and I was, I just finished high school and I was like, I don't really want, I, this is what I want to do. I don't want to go right back into that. So I was like, I'll like I'll go up there and then I'll figure out school or whatever. But Gainesville was not a good place for me like whatsoever. Um mm -hmm. so I never ended up pursuing school. I ended up just like um playing in bands and I ended up moving back to my hometown before a bunch of dramatic stuff there and I ended up moving back up north um and I did actually enroll in college and then my partner at the time was like I'm pregnant <laughs> so I never mm -hmm. I was like well I can't do that and do this so I still I was like and this is like years after I you know I when I finally was like uh and um at this point, I even, I'm just really not, like, my main thing with college is I was like, I don't want to, the only thing I like to do is I like to read, and I like to play music, and I like to write, and, um, like, my, my partner now, who I've been with, you know, forever, like, she actually has uh, an English degree from Purdue University, which is like, a, an esteemed university not necessarily for English but you know whatever and like I saw like what I saw like you know sort of like when she graduated and she's like this is what I want to do with my degree I saw what was available to her and I was like this does not make sense for me to go into this school and pay all this money to get that degree when this is what's available. Like, you know, there was no such thing as like a newspaper anymore. Like, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? To in the same, in the same sense, you know, like she yeah. had, 
degrees in English, and she was like doing interviews. You know, she was sending out resumes, and they're like, "Well, you could get a job as a receptionist," and I was like, "You could get a job at a receptionist without the degree," you know, like, and so I just didn't. I wasn't interested at that point, you know. Once it became feasible for me again, and、um, I don't know, you know. At this point, I'm just like,、uh, you know. A lot of times, you look around at the world and you're like, "Do I really want to get involved in something? Like, I don't know what's going to happen in the next four years. Like, am I going to put myself through all this? And then, like, while we're just watching the world burn down around us, I mean, that's that's. I mean,、really、I'm inclined to agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I don't like. Obviously, that's one way to take it, and I'm not saying that's. How you should take it. I'm、um, just. That's where I land a lot of the time. You know, like it's, I'm. It's hard. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, if you absolutely know this is what I want to do, and you go for it, like I get it. But me, I still don't. I there are the things that I like to do, and I don't see how, like, I don't see how going to school like furthers that. So. I I'm just where I'm at, you know. Totally, and I mean, in a real way, you are like you're f- doing the things you want to do. I hope at least you do a lot, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you know, like I st- I have to go and do something else to like pay the bills, but like,、mm-hmm. but I am doing what I want to do. Yeah, ultimately. <laughs> To backtrack a little, so you moved to Florida. You're in Gainesville. It's not working. You go back to Ohio, and you're like playing in bands through this time. Were you like touring, or are you just playing at the local level, or like what was it for you at that point? Yeah, I was pretty much.、Um, I was pretty much only touring. Like we didn't play around a lot.、Um, but then I did get in this band. Which at the time they were called Rod, and、um, now they're called The Story Changes,、um, and that's actually、um, two two of them that are in that band are now they're in Hawthorne Heights, and so like I have this like long-standing friendship with one of the guitar players from Hawthorne Heights,、um, and、wow. um, yeah, he he actually like I got in that band, like I just. You know, like I said, there was a there was a big blowout down in Florida. I ended up back in Ohio.、Um, a bunch of not, you know, like being up there was rocky for a while as well. And and、um, then like Mark like was like Mark was like yeah, be in my band. And I'm like I don't have gear. 
and we went to this shop and like Mark was straight up like, oh, I can put this stuff on my credit card. You can just pay me back. And I was just like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, like I knew this person for like a month and, and he believed in me and you know, it's, it's, uh, it's wild. I mean, I'm looking at that amp and that, uh, cabinet right now. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Um, so when I got in that band, we would play around, uh, locally a little bit more, but my other band, like we would just, because somebody still lived in Florida for a while. Mm-hmm. So we would just get together. We would do a tour, make, you know, record some songs and then, uh, and then that would, that would be bad. That, <clears throat> excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder, like, what what kind of music were you playing at this time? I'm really interested to know, like, where Screamo entered into your life and, like, what was the vector for you, like, discovering that style or did you converge on it or, like, you know, what was sort of the impetus to put you in it? Well, you know, so, um, so I was, I was living in Ohio and then, like, I met some people and I ended up in Indiana. But before Indiana, like the stuff that I was playing, like it was like, you know, lifetime strung out, you know, it was that fast, like SoCal sort of like sound, you know, but with, but with more like emo leanings, you know, and, um, and the band, the other band Rod was like, we were kind of going for a more like pop, uh, like Foo Fighters meets Rival Springs or ri- Rival Schools. Uh, wow. I was I was thinking of Rites of Spring, but we didn't sound anything like that. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's what I was doing then. And then I moved to in Indiana, and um, I was kind of, I still I was not in the Story Changes um, slash Rod anymore, but. Um, I still had my other band where we would just get together and we would go on tour. And um, we were, you know, we were doing that. And I was here for a while. I was just like bouncing around for different living situations. And then I was working at, um, I was working at a, I was working at a Domino's and I delivered to this house and um the kids there were like having a show and i was yeah. like what's this all about and they're like oh it's a punk show and i'm like that's awesome and i was like we should i was basically like we should hang out you know and um mm-hmm. and then they're like yeah cool um like you can come by when you're done working or whatever maybe the show will still be going or whatever um I don't remember, I don't think I came over that night, but eventually I like called them or whatever. And I went over and I, and I was chilling with them and they're like, Oh, we're having band practice, but it's cool. And, um, that was the first time I heard usurp synapse and that was the kids from usurp synapse. And they were basically like, how much money do you make at Domino's? And I was like this much. And they were like, you should come work with us at Papa John's. We make more money. And I did. <laughs> I was like, okay. And I did. So then I was working with them all the time. And I was like, kind of, I was coming over and they were having shows. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And then, like, 
a few months of that, they were like, we're actually all going to move to Indianapolis. You should move into this house and start doing shows here. And, um, that's what I did. Um, like it just, it all lined up and that's what I did. I moved into that house. I started doing shows. We, between like when they were still doing shows, like they would book them, but I lived there and between right before I moved there, when I was just going to lots of shows there, like, you know, I saw his heroes gone, like the locust, like all these bands played there during this time. And so like my introduction to Screamo was like at, on the ground floor, you know, pretty much like, um, the bands that I consider like, kind of like right at the, like I saw a lot of them play in my basement and I, mm -hmm. um, and I got to know like, you know, people like, uh, Tom from the assistant when they came through and played and um, and so like seeing um, that and and um, also like from the first time when I heard the Crimson Curse I was like oh shit like Screamo with like organ yeah so um, my friends and I started Dance and Destroy so that was in like 98, 90, 98 slash early 99. And so, yeah, we were really, we were just doing it. Like we, you know, we heard it, we were a part of it and we started doing it. And it was just like, I still did like the other band for like quite a while. I was doing like, I had a band that was like small brown bike ish. Um, and mm -hmm. I had Dance and Destroy, which, like, we were just belligerently trying to be, like, you know, the Crimson Curse. And then um, and then I had the other band, which was, um, like, Lifetime and all that. So um, I – it's um, – I always really liked playing in these different little, you know, n niches or whatever. Um, totally. Yeah. And you've been, like – quite prolific i feel like that's like a continuing trend in your like musical history is like just having like a lot of different outlets at once even while you have like you know what what could ostensibly call be called a, a main project it just feels like you've got your your hands in a lot of a lot of works you know yeah i i when when we first started coma regalia like um our idea was like my idea i was like let's just play like whatever we want. And if we have like some songs that sound more like this or more like that, um, that's fine. Um, but then like kind of what happened was like, um, I did start like doing other things instead of trying to incorporate everything into one thing. And so by this point, obviously, um, Coma Regalia has a more like you, a sound that you identify with Coma Regalia, you know, and I'm not sure that we, I'm not sure that that was ever necessarily any difference, except like if you listen to like, say our split with like 
the Catlin Elm or whatever you like. Is that is that a pop punk part in this song? And you're like, yes, it is, um, because like we just had a much more like anything goes like thing. But then as I sat started satisfying like those different things that I wanted to do with like different projects, it became you know more linear. But yeah, I've always loved all kinds of things. You know, everything from you know. Um, the Pixies and, and, uh, the Lemonheads and, and, you know, to like, you know, like obviously like death metal and stuff like that. So I've always wanted to like have outlets for that. And I think it's really a good creative exercise as well. You know, if you get stuck in one mode, then try something different. I totally agree. Um, and I, I I really relate to that. I, I feel like in a way when you're playing in a band, like usually at the point of inception, like things are really open-ended and there is like a temptation to try to try to be everything. Right. But like over time, it's almost like, I feel like a band just naturally like develops a character, like independent of any of like the one, the people's like input. And it's like, you have a sense of like, what's a coma song or what's a play Walker song or, or what's a song for a new project that you haven't started yet, you know? Yeah. And I especially think that there is a, um, <clears throat> there is a trend in, in, in album writing, um, that I'm not sure was always necessarily, um, was always necessarily true to now because the, um the b- because you can literally stop and listen to another song at liter- at any time you know that you'd like um i think that it's created this way of writing an album which is um not not necessarily linear in sound but linear in purpose like to where there m- I feel like now there's much more like um, an impression that artists are writing an album to be listened to in its in its um, entirety. Like, and so there is a. I feel like there's less of a of a focus on individual songs as there is on making this body of work that feel seamless or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, uh, I think that plays in the tendency to, for, for artists to, um, to, to, um, align themselves in certain sounds that don't, um, stray too far out of what, um, is, exp- is like known of them if that makes sense. That does make sense. Yeah. It's, it's just, and I don't think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. I'm not saying that people are doing that like consciously even, you know what I mean? It's just like, um, I've, I've been finding myself like when I'm evaluating, like if I didn't, like a lot of times I I quite literally just write an album, the outline of the album, like in one or two sittings, 
and it is very linear. But when I don't, like I'm evaluating things in terms of the way things flow, but not necessarily like in the same way that I feel like I might always have, you know, I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but it's like, no, it, it's wholly makes sense. And that really like, I mean, I think that can be a really interesting thing to observe. I might be dating myself here, but like I grew up in a time where like vinyl was kind of out of fashion tapes were still kind of relevant and CDs were becoming like the dominant thing. Mm-hmm. And like you sort of see from like the record and tape era, like when CDs come out, right? You're no longer really concerned with like, oh, side A, side B, right? Is there a natural middle point in this record? Right. And like, and also you saw with CDs, like, you know, sometimes the later end of a CD wasn't as exciting as the the first couple songs, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And like, I think like, yeah, there's kind of like natural changes that come with the formatting, right? Like, mm-hmm that are going to inform the way you're, you're creating your music. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, that's the, that is like the biggest mm-hmm. reason that we did ours is the Cosmos Noble on double seven inch because it was, we intended it to be our most like fragmented, like release in terms of like, I really wanted, I really wanted all of the songs to like, um, stand on their own, like not necessarily musically or thematically, but like um, ly- lyrically, I guess, you know? And so I was like, if we do this in this way where people have to stop all the time, um, that this would be the best use of that. Because I always wanted to do a double seven inch, but I was, mm-hmm. but it's like you said, you're like, you, you're kind of, you're usually, um, you're trying to figure out like where to do this, where to put the, the breaks or whatever. And within Sparata, for example, we didn't want any breaks. So that's on one side of an LP. And so then with that, and I was like, well, so now's the time to do that, it, to, to make it to where it, it's separates itself by format. Um, and yeah, I don't know if that, if I really accomplished that, but I mean, like another example, I think of what I was trying to say, and this is a totally different context of, uh, uh, musically anyway, is like the Lil Nas album. Like, I feel like that's the, that's a, a testament of what I was saying as far as like writing an album that's like, you can obviously probably tons of people do like listen to any of the songs on that in any way you know they're like all like practically hit singles by this point but like if you listen to that album you're like this is it this is in there's no doubt in your mind you're like this is an album that was written like to be an album like you Mm -hmm. know what i mean um and and um yeah, I know that uh, from other conversations, you know, that a lot of a lot of um, artists aren't even doing that. A lot of artists are just like, why even worry about an, ar- an album when you can just write some really good songs that just get like shitloads of plays or whatever, you know? 
Um, so yeah, I, I guess that's the antithesis uh, <laughs> um, of what I was saying. But um, it's all very interesting to think about, I think. I guess it sort of matters what your goals are. I feel like the some of the best records like play with the format they're in, right? Like I think about like Scum by Napalm Death or or My War, right? Where like, you know, those were really like playing with the vinyl format in terms of like how to surprise their listenership, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, like there's definitely going to be people like who are leaning into the format du jour. I guess it sort of matters what your objectives are, right? Yeah. And there's not really like a wrong way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's, yeah, that's like yeah. really, uh, that's a that's a whole other layer, like or level of um, of all of that is like, is um, taking into account um, the format and everything. It's really interesting. into like your sort of trajectory and like you know i just have to ask the obvious like where does middleman records come from like when does that get started um when i was in high school i i had a band and um we we recorded like this you know shitty demo and i i made a tape out of it and um like we actually just dubbed those tapes by hand, you know? And, um, but, um, but so I was kind of in this other band and they were like, you know how to make tapes. Like we want, we want to record and we want to make tapes. And I was like, well, um, like I just like dubbed those tapes, but I was like, but I can actually, I can figure out how to actually make tapes. Right. So, I figured out how to actually make tapes and they were like, okay, um, we'll give you the money and you get the tapes made. And I was like, you can just do this yourself. Like (laughs) I'll give you the information. And they were like, well, you're like in the band. 
and <laughs> um, you know, and so blah blah blah. And they were like, "You can you can like make a record label. You can put like a logo on it, so we'll look like we're like real official and stuff, right?" And I was like, "Okay, I guess. I mean, that's fine." And um, I said, "Like, so you just want me to be the middleman?" And they were like, yeah. And that's how I came up with the, the name. Huh. And, um, Truth and, in advertising. Yeah. And I think like, I don't, I didn't, um, I didn't have that. I didn't have that logo. Uh, I made that logo like sort of like when volume middleman, like volume two came around. But, um, uh, but yeah, that was the first Middleman release was this uh, tape called by this band called No More. Uh, mm -hmm. It was the tape was called Only the Beginning. And uh, so it was only the beginning for that band, but it was also the first tape for the label. Um, and, I love uh, that. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that, that band is actually still exists now. They're still a band. Whoa. They're cool. They're like ska punk kind of um, uh, from Gainesville. Uh they didn't live in Gain. We didn't live in Gainesville when we, when I was in the band and whatnot. But um, they all live in Gainesville now. And actually, the guitar player is a, a good friend of mine named Jen Vito. Um, like I said, you know, we were in, in that band together. We went to high school together. And Jen Jen plays in the band War on Women now. Who is on tour oh. with Bad Religion? <laughs> yeah, I love so, that band. Yeah, they're great. They're a great band. Yeah, um, Jen fucking shreds she always out shredded everyone like <laughs> she was the best guitar player that i knew for a really long time and um and uh yeah um that was that was the first release um and then like i did some other releases and i didn't do any releases until a um mm -hmm. And that was kind of the same thing. Like we were just doing a, a demo, right? And we were making the CDRs like ourselves. And the guitar player, Charlie, was like, didn't you say you used to do a label? And I was like, yeah, I did. He said, you should put the logo on there just so we look like. <laughs> so, so that was the rebirth of Middleman Records, like just to look like we know what we're doing. <laughs> and uh, so that's, yeah, I guess like, you know, we were doing the whole fake it till you make it thing, um, you know, the, pretty much ever since uh, I can remember. <laughs> I love that. I mean, that's the funny thing is you find out like the kind of legitimacy that putting a logo on your record lends you and you realize like it's fakes all the way down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really funny because, um, you know, so the Camille thing was like, that was when I was like, okay, sure. And then Coma Regalia started in 2010. And, um, and it was the same, it was the same thing. Like, like I was like, you know, going to pay a bunch of money to put our first split seven inch out. And I was like, well, I might as well put this logo on it. And especially because we were planning on doing like as much as we could for as long as we could. So I was like, mm -hmm. I might as well just put this logo on things and just, just call it that. And, um, and it was exactly what you, what you were implying, which was like, 
the logo was on things and it was the name of the band camp URL. And so I started getting bands being like, will you help release my thing? And I, I was just like, I do not do this. Like, why do people think I do this? And then I'm like, because there's like 10 releases on here and like no one's paying attention to the fact that they're all coming yet or whatever. Um, but no, it, but also like in lending yourself that legitimacy, right? You're saying you don't do it, but like you also fully do. Yeah. Even I if mean, it's just for yourself, you know how to do it. So, so it was there. And then, and then I almost like felt again, like, yeah, you know, you are just, you are just like being this, like, um, this conduit for like people to like take their ideas from, from, um, point A to point C, you know? Um, but, um, I was meeting lots of people that I liked. And so I was like, yeah, this is cool. Yeah. These are, you know, you're, you're certainly a person with like a lot of really good origin stories. I've noticed <laughs> that. <not. laughs> Um, what, what, what release number are y'all up to now? Like how far are you? Uh, I don't know because, <laughs> because I have, I have a, um, I have a note, I have like a note thing and I just have the ball in that. I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's expensive to say the least. People don't always ask me for a catalog number too. So sometimes I do them retroactively. I'm like. And that's kind of probably kind of like unprofessional of me to admit, but I don't, it doesn't bother me. Like these things. I don't know. I think it's cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, these things are, these things are, um, they are a byproduct to me, not the reason, you know? So totally. like the reason is what I mentioned before. It's like, I keep meeting cool people. I keep like hearing music. I mean, I'm always going to hear music I enjoy. You know what I mean? That's that's like just a given, I think. So, um, but it's those other relationships that come out of it. And like I said, you know, I know someone from music that I've known since I was a teenager, and we just made a a record together last year. You know, um, while we yeah. were, we were talking off the record at that point, but yeah. Um, and so it's that it's that that like makes it to where I'm like. Yeah, that's the kind of thing I care about. I don't the I think that the the I think that the blog premieres and I think that um like having your record in a cool distro, you know, I think all of that's cool, but that's not that's not why for me, you know? So like when somebody's like, What's your catalog number for this? I'm like Hold on, <laughs> and I gotta look in my notes, and then I, and then I type it in, and I'm like, okay, it's number, you know, whatever. So, I must have broken a hundred by now, right? But um, you know, seems like <laughs> uh, question mark. Um. <laughs> so you play a lot of different instruments in different bands, and I sort of wonder, like, has that kind of flexibility always been a thing for you in music? Is it more? like an artifact of necessity like what was sort of your progression through instruments through vocals like what came first i mean obviously you got to start on guitar but like yeah i just wonder sort of like what's been your your instrument journey you know yeah um sure so it's uh it's it's kind of like 
necessity and 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 annoyance and hubris like all kind of wrapped up into one and also this like this idea that like you know if you just can if you can just push past like the struggles of learning something like just don't even worry about it just like when something's hard just don't even worry about it just keep doing it right because like you don't you never understand the part where you go from being terrible to being okay like you don't you cannot monitor that like transition for yourself you just can't like like you could you could record yourself every day on your phone right you can't you can go back and look and you can start to see like I mean, I've never done this, but this is just an idea. You could start to see, okay, look, it's clicking. But like, if you didn't do that, if you just played guitar for a month, like you would never know when, like there wouldn't be like a light bulb that went off in your head, you know? Like there might be, but like it wouldn't, like you wouldn't be able to say that's when I start getting good. Like, like you wouldn't, like it just happens. You know what I mean? That's like, so true. Yeah, it's like a vanishing point. Yeah, and so, like, I'm not saying this very well, but that's that's all I'm trying to say. It's like, everybody's like, I tried this, but it was so hard. You're right. It's, it's fucking hard. Like, and it's harder for some people than it is for others. Like, I know people that are, that are, you know, that are very young and very good at what they do. And I'm like, well, <laughs> what am I, am I still doing this? But, um, like... Um, but like, I just believe that if you just keep doing it, like you won't even realize that you're just like, wait a minute, like I'm actually doing this now and it might take a while, but it's like, don't worry about it. Don't be like, don't as frustrating as it is, as hard as it is to not get frustrated. Just don't just like try to just understand that that's part of the process. Like being terrible is part of the process. And like, so it was guitar. I was, I'd play all the time and I, and it was, I felt like I was never getting, I was never getting it. And then I was in bands when I was in high school. And the thing about singing is I never wanted to sing until I was in bands with singers whose, their attitudes were terrible. And I was like, <laughs> they're not even that good. Like, you know, Henry Rollins is not a good singer, but like, I could probably do that. Right. So like, um, so like, you know, I mean, like that's where that came from. And then later I was playing with the one band I mentioned before, the, the, like the SoCal, like kind of, you know, punk band. Um, and, um, and I was like trying to like explain, to the drummer how I wanted the snare hit to be on the one instead of on the two. And I, uh -huh. so I'm like, da-boom, ba-da-boom, ba-da-boom. And I'm like tapping on my guitar. And he just goes, if you think you could fucking do it, just come back here and do it. And I was like, huh. And I went back there and I did. And he was so mad. He was like so mad. 
he was like, bullshit, you never played drums before. And I was like, I, I mean, I played snare drum when I was in school for like two weeks. I was like, but I never played drum. He's like, bullshit. He was like, then he's like, play something else. And I start playing like a D beat. And then he's like, play something else. And I like think of like a Descendants song or whatever. And I tried that. And then his attitude changed. He was like, this is like kind of cool. This is kind of fun. And then he like was like, try play this. And I'll try to play that. And then he's like, basically like, fuck it. I'm going to leave my drums here. Like just play them if you want, you know? And um, then when I went to start Dance and Destroy, it was like, Everybody, like, everybody that I knew that wanted to be in this band that just, like, it was, like, I was, like, it doesn't matter if we all suck. Who cares? Like, we just got to do this thing, right? And um, everybody I knew, like, um, Dustin, who was the first bass player for Usurp, like, Dustin was, like, I'll play guitar. And Eric was, like, I play guitar. And I was, like, well, shit, okay. And my partner was, like, oh, I'll, you know, I'll play bass. And, um... And then our friend Seth was like, I'll play keys. And I was like, well, shit. Like, mm-hmm. no one's, you know, picking up drums. So I just, I asked a friend of mine, I was like, do you know anyone that's selling a drum set? And um, because, like, you know, um, I was playing with the, you know, with the kid that had left his drum set there sometimes, but it was a very nice kit, and I wasn't about to ask to, like, take it to shows, et cetera. So um, I was going to say, he seems like uh, an incredibly good natured person. Like drummers famously love it when you uh, mouth out what they're supposed to play. Oh, yes. Yes. It's uh, (laughs) yeah. They they love that. Yeah. Well, like I said, he was very annoyed at first and he was like vocally like hostile with me. And then he was just like, wait, like you really just you really just are kind of like like dumbfoundedly able to like do this from just from years of tapping out on your dashboard or whatever, you know? Um, just so, another good origin story under your belt. Yeah. So, I mean, um, yeah, but he had this like really nice, like vintage, you know, drum set that his dad had given him and whatever. And so it was always like, don't, don't even scratch this and you know, whatever. <laughs> so um, I did find a drum kit. I, I got, most of a drum kit for like 180 bucks. And um, I had that kit uh, for, it, for oh, I, you know, I bought it in like 1998. I had it until last year when I gave it to my oldest son for, uh, for Christmas. And it was like on like 90% of the Coma Regalia records and everything. At I'm, I'm noticing a trend there. <laughs> yeah. It was just a... Uh, um, a lot, of, a lot of fun. A lot of fun with that kit.
tell me about like so you're saying your your son's playing drums now i um, hope i hope yeah, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um do you do y'all have like a like a musical relationship uh no so you know um he he moved out uh right before covid because he he's you know he's he's like he's about to be 20. Uh, so, uh, he moved out right before COVID, but, um, like, um, when he was little, like he would go downstairs and he'd play drums. And one time, one time, uh, I think he must've been like, he's like only like freaking 11 years old or something. Right. So now I'm thinking of my kids and I'm using fake swear words. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm freaking, um, so he, he must have been like um, 11 years old or something at the time, right? <clears throat> and it was like we just had Comer Regalia practice or whatever. And he comes, he comes down there and we were all talking. Uh, we were just hanging out after practice and he was talking. And he was like, Dad, you know you just play the same drum beats all the time. And I was <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and he was, like, he was like, yeah, you just play the same drum beat all the time. And I was like, what drum beat do I play? He goes behind the drum set. Just like, I mean, he had come, he had fooled around on the drums here and there, you know, but I'd never showed him anything or anything. He gets behind the drum set, he just starts D beating. He just goes for it. He just starts doing it. Boom, da, doom, da, doom, da, doom, da. And I was like, what the hell? And I was like, I mean, I is like almost a mirror to what uh, Chad put me through with the first time when I got, I was like, what else can you play? You know, and he starts, yeah. play, he starts playing, you know, boom, that, 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 boom, that, 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 kind of like this, you know, and he's like, he's doing like a, a real, like, uh, he's doing a real, like, um, my friend Walt, um, used to call it, um, salad, salad tossing, which has a very different connotation <laughs> um, now, but do you know what I mean? Where you use like your hands, like not very independently where you use one and then you use the other. Like, oh, sure, so like you're, you know, like you're chopping something up. So like, he's doing a lot of that like that, but he's like keeping a really good beat and stuff. And I was like, what, what the hell, you know? Um, so yeah, when last year when he was like, you know, uh, yeah, I'm thinking I really want a drum set because I'm going to start a grindcore band. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I was like, yeah, I got you. Um, uh, but um, yeah, we did, um, you know, we, I used to take him to shows and, uh, you know, we, um, there's actually a really, uh, um, fun story. Like when he was like, um, who like not even one, right. We saw a majority rule in a house in Fort Wayne, which is like an hour and a half from here. So he's like not even one. He's got the headphones on. He's crawling around on the floor upstairs. Uh, the show is downstairs, and my partner at the time, we would, I'd go, I'd listen to a couple songs, and then I'd go upstairs so she can go and listen to a couple songs, and like, oh, you know, and um, that's awesome. <laughs> and uh, and then, um, yeah, and so then, so he, so technically he he didn't see, but he was at a majority rules song when he was like eight, a majority rules so show when he was like eight months old, right? So then. On one of majority, yeah, yeah, he was there. Um, so one of majority rules tours from before COVID, Plague Walker got to play with them. So 
he went with us. And when I was, when I was chatting with Matt, um, uh, I was like, I told him the story. I was like, this kid saw y'all sort of when he was like eight <laughs> months old at that house show in Fort Wayne. And now he's here right now. And like, they were just like, Matt was just like ecstatic about that. And we just like, we sat there and like, you know, it was a real like nice, like fun, fun moment. Um, but yeah, we never got to play music together. Um, other than just like, I would let, I would let them, um, like they, they'd want to play guitar while it was like through the amps and stuff. And just, so, um, sometimes we goof off, like I'd get behind the drums and different, like any one of my kids might just like go over where the guitar was and sit on the ground and bang on it. And we'd like, you know, and one of them would have a microphone and be yelling into a microphone and, um, stuff like that. So, I mean, you know, I don't know, we could have been pretty good probably, you know, never, never did any recordings, but get the family band. <laughs> yeah. Just some avant-garde, um, uh, screamo, you know, totally. You got to tell your son now that he wants to be in a grindcore band. Sometimes a D beat is all you need. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's already, he's already got that, I think. Um, so <laughs> yeah, just, just, uh, just do it as fast as you can. And there you go. Yeah. There you go. That's the secret to grind right there. Um, I'm excited to ask, like, where do you see yourself going? Like, what's on the horizon? Um, I don't know. You know, I, I, um, I, I've always, um, I, I think a lot of people who, you know, are, are my age and still playing music, they, they probably all sort of think like, in the back of their mind, at least a little bit, like, how long can I keep getting away with this? You know, <laughs> like, um, yeah. and um, I don't know, you know, like I said, I'm, one of my friends is on tour with Bad Religion right now. And they're a hell of a lot older than me. I mean, not my friend, but Bad Religion, you know. Um, the fact that they are doing it, like, financially um, probably doesn't, like, hurt. But I just can't ever see myself, like, not... Um, singing songs and recording songs. Um, but that said, I have, um, recently, uh, decided to put, uh, a, one of my other interests like into, um, into, um, like practice, I guess is what I should say. Like, because, um, you know, if, there's at least a couple of my friends that could tell you that since like 2015, I've been like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, this year I'm going to finish my graphic novel or whatever, you know, like there's at least one person that has asked me like going on with the exception of like this year or whatever, like for five years straight, like, have you been working on your graphic novel? <laughs> and the answer was always a no. <laughs> um, no, but I swear I'll get to it. And um, this year I, well, actually I started last year uh, around um, uh, 
I started last year on October 1st. I started by just doing a drawing every day. And then this year, I was just like, I'm just going to start doing comics every day. And I'm going to see if I get good at this. I'm going to see if I get less nervous about it, if I start to have confidence, you know, if I whatever. And so I started doing that. And um, I was just like, I, I fucking love this. Like, it actually started when I was drawing the insert for Valfalgo, which is um, a comic. Like the insert for Valfalgo. Like there's a really small insert in there, which has the lyrics in it. And then there's a regular zine size insert, which is a silent comic. And when I was drawing that, I, I, I drew all of it in like three days, but it was like, I was drawing for like 10 hours at a time. And the thing was, I was like, I fucking love this. Like I'm having so much fun. And I didn't even know that it was like 10 hours gone by, you know? And I was just like, the only, the only other thing that's ever made me feel like that was like skating or music, you know? Um, so, you know, Val Failgo is a few years old now and I don't, you know, once again, I don't know why, why it, that didn't just, that wasn't the thing that, you know, made it click, but I guess, you know, just not having shows, you know, and, and, and stuff, you know, and being in isolation and stuff. Um, I was just like, yeah, I'm just going to start drawing every single day. I'm going to start drawing and I'm going to see what happens. And, um, so I just started working on comics a lot more and, um, that's something that's, um, fighting for, that's fighting for time in my life now. And I, I'm, um, I'm ecstatic, I'm ecstatic about that, but, um, it's like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want to say it's like, um, I don't want to say it's like my retirement plan from music or anything like that. You know what I mean? Cause I want to keep doing both as long as I can, but I think that it's really cool, especially for someone with like, um, some of the, um, problems that I have playing music, which is like, uh, I can't always depend on <clears throat> my body, um, is, um, it's nice to be like, to recognize and to feel the same kind of passion for this other thing that doesn't rely as heavily on uh, my body, you know? It's nice to, to be like, to not just be like, what happens if I can't play drums anymore? Or what happens if I, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah, completely. And I mean, it's good to know and like trust yourself that you're going to always have like that passion for self-expression. Right. And also just as a side note, um, to, to the listener of our words, um, if you haven't checked out the Instagram, a decor a day, you really have to, if you want to cry, read in the meantime, it hurts. <laughs> oh, um, well, thanks for, thanks for mentioning that. I don't, I'm, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, um, I don't, I don't know, you know, like it's, it's, um, I'm glad that people have connected with that in, in one way or another. I'm not always, uh, I'm not always sure like 
what I'm trying to do. You know, I, I will script something and then I will change it. You know, um, it's, um, it's all like, I think you can tell when it's real, when it's true and when it's not, you know, like there's obviously a couple of goofy stories that were not true, you know, like based on a dream or something or there's, Mm -hmm. um, but, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's been, it's been interesting, especially because some of it, like they're fairly autobiographical and, um, and it's, it might be things that I, that I think about from time to time, but I don't get into the minutiae of it. And then when I do, I'm like, this is weird because this really, this situation really still affects me. And, um, yeah, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with that. And sometimes I'm like, uh, I'm like, wow, is this like, is this, wow, is this a way to overshare or what, you know? And, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to worry about that as much as I worry about, uh, anything I make musically, which is not so much at all, you know, and just like, just go for it. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I hope people have, have, um, taken something away from that. I mean, I think there is an audience for that kind of, and excuse the radiator sounds in the background, my radiator just turned on, <laughs> no um, but I think there is definitely an audience and I count myself among that number for like the, the visual diary sort of like angle. Like, I think like even, you know, there have been some great published works like Marion Churchland's H. Chom book that like sort of compile these like illustrated blog posts she used to do. Mm-hmm. And, and so too with your comics, like I think there too, you're playing with format a bit, right? Like where like, you know, it's very much um, designed to be like consumed in these little bits mm-hmm. and like in this episodic sort of way that you're releasing it. And I, I think like, I don't know, I think it's super cool. And I think there's something special about following the Instagram and like seeing those things as they pop up rather than like reading them as one coherent piece later, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which I think, you know, um, I have had like lots of people ask if I was going to publish that. And I do intend on publishing like a 100 page, like, uh, like collection of those. And it's, so it's going to be, you know, because there's four panels every day. So it's going to be four panels per page. So it's going to be like each page is a day's worth. And um, I am kind of, I am kind of like, huh, is this going to work? Like, you know what I mean? Just from a comics perspective, like, is it going to work like reading it that way? Are things going to hit the same way? Are they going to, is the pace going to be weird or whatever? And I mean, I don't know. I guess like in the, in the end, what I'll say about it is that it was an experiment and it's an ongoing experiment, you know, but it was an experiment. And so publishing it that way will also be an experiment and we'll see, I'm sure some of it will work better than others. And hopefully like, um, I'll learn from that and, um, you know, um, like, I don't know, um, if I keep doing that and I, 
am like, um, like if I keep doing the stories on Instagram and I'm doing them four panels at a time and then later I decide to collect another book, I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe it would make sense to pace it out differently or whatever, but I, at at the moment, because I haven't been able to read it in the way that it will be collected, I I don't know. Like, it seems like there would be something wrong with that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I mean, that's just me, like, getting too far ahead of myself. But it's like, I, I kind of write it to where every day there's a thing at the end to ponder on for a second, you know, if, if nothing else, just for like a second. Um, I mean, for sure it'll be different, but that's true too of like, you know, if you had a pull box, right. At like your local comic shop and you just got things as single issues versus reading the collection later. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, there's always sure. like, and, the, and honestly, like, I wouldn't say one is necessarily superior to the other. Like you can get things out of both experiences, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, like I was just reading, I was just reading some um, comic uh, last night, and uh, and it was like, yeah, it was actually uh, it was actually the uh, Superman Son of Kal El uh, series, which is um, I like, I really enjoy it. It's it's uh, the Superman series that has all the straights in an uproar because <laughs> uh, Superman. Long story short, Superman's son is now Superman. Because Superman's out in outer space. So Superman's son is Superman. And Superman's son is bisexual. So, um, so like, yeah, yeah. Um, Superman's son, he, he went through some, some outer space shenanigans and he came back to earth, like basically a 17 year old kid. Superman's like, well, you're Superman now. I got to go fight somebody on another planet somewhere. And Superman's son has basically a boyfriend now, and uh, it and I'm I'm fucking here for it, especially with how mad everybody is about it. You know what I mean? Um, we have to take our, our our victories where we can, right? Right, exactly. So, like in one issue, like something blows up, and then in the next issue, like it's basically like before that. And so you're like, and there's no like seconds earlier or whatever, because they don't really do that anymore, you know? So you're like, I was reading that, I was like, that's going to be pretty weird in trade. But like, you're totally right. It's like, you do that all the time when you're reading something like, especially older stuff where they did start the issue over, like every single issue. And you don't, I don't know, you just latch on to the things you like, you know? So I think that'll probably be the case with, you know, people who uh, are already into whatever they're reading online, you know? Totally, totally. You know, that that sort of transitions to an interesting question, I think. And, you know, we can talk about this as much or as little as you want. But, like, you know, much like, uh, you know, the embrace of LGBT themes within comics have upset the traditional fan base of that, I think, like, the increasing bent towards, you know, including people of marginalized sexual identity and gender identity in punk has certain people in an uproar. And I just wonder, because I know you, Sean, are non-binary, like, 
um, how has that come into play for you? Like, you know, being out within punk and screamo, has it come into play? Has it been more of a non-issue? I'm just curious as someone of trans experience. I, I think, so I think that like, as far as like, um, this isn't an answer to your question, but this is just a, a thought on that before I answer. Um, I, oh. I remember someone talking about um, stories and voices and and how it, it may have been Neil Gaiman. I'm not 100%. But they were talking about, um, like, why wouldn't you want, like, as many different kinds of people telling these stories as you possibly could. Like, can you imagine the breadth of stories that are going to come from all these different people with all these different lived experiences? And that's like exactly where I land on music, on art, you know, on, on stories, you know, just like period, you know? So when I, am looking for music or whatever and i'm like this band is from here like this band is is comprised of these people these like i'm like i'm fucking ready i'm all about that i want to see what these people have to say what those people have to say you know i want i want it to be bigger than what i know and um that's, that makes so much sense. Like, yeah, of course, you want you're looking for an outside perspective, right? And so that so the pushback against that just like blows my mind, you know. But you know that's that's the way a lot of people have always been. So it's it doesn't it's not it's like it's like when something doesn't surprise you, but you're just like, why, you know?
it sort of does seem fundamentally at odds with like an exploratory artistic perspective though, doesn't it's, it? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, especially because, you know, so many artists want to just borrow from other people's experiences or cultures or whatever and not ever acknowledge that or whatever, you know, it's like, obviously that's a whole other thing, you know? And it's like, totally. And and you're just like, so yeah, it's kind of like, it, it doesn't surprise you, but you're just like, this, this doesn't work, you know? So that said, like my experiences, you know, like, um, I, I think that, mm, so the first time I tried to come out was a really long time ago. And, um, and I tried to come out to a friend of mine who's gay and, um, he was very shitty to me. He, uh, he said straight up, he said, if you're not out there sucking dick right now, you're not gay. Shut up. And, um, I took that. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Yeah. I took that in, I took that like, you know, like, like, you know, I took that by erasure, like to heart. And I, I took that like, as someone who already suffers from like imposter syndrome, you know, I took that like shit, like, well, like my friend would know, right? Because like, whatever. And I just like let, I let this experience to where I was trying to like communicate with someone that I thought I thought it would be this whole other thing and I'd be able to whatever. And I let that like push, almost push me like further back into the closet, you know? Well, that's exactly what that kind of stuff does is keep people in the closet. Yeah. And I mean, I never like, um, I did, you know, I didn't like, I never let that like, uh, necessarily like, I didn't let it like color my own, um, feelings or anything, you know, but it made, it made me skeptical about my perceptions of myself. And I wish that hadn't happened, obviously. Um, but, um, like, especially because, you know, like, I'm, I mean, I'm literally like a 12 year old kid or something reading, like, uh, reading like Submariner comics and being like, Oh, you know? <laughs> um, so like, and, and then, and then like reading like the issue where North Star came out and being like, Holy shit, this is fucking cool. Um, and then like years later, having somebody tell me like, but you're not. And, um, I think that that kind of thing still happens, but I think that that kind of thing is a lot less, um, likely to happen now. You know, I think like a lot of people are, are kind of like getting certain things. Um, as far as like, I think so. as far as like my, you know, day-to-day life and stuff. It's like, I don't, I don't, I, I just kind of like, don't 
care. I don't my like my parents and stuff like they know, but like they don't like I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's like they they see the relationship that I'm in and it's like they can just pretend that it's you know what I'm saying? Like so it's I do this, know exactly what you're saying. So it's this weird like thing where they don't feel like they have to acknowledge that aspect of me because you know I'm in this kind of relationship and I have kids and whatever so it's just like well that's fine you know now if I wasn't I don't know I don't think that'd be any different my my parents never raised me to be any kind of like bigot or whatever you know even though their idea of these things was different than what we know now you know um but like, you know, cause like my dad, my dad growing up, you know, my dad all, always was like, you don't treat this person any differently than you would treat anybody else. But at the same time would say stuff that's like obviously very homophobic. You know what I mean? Like he nah. would, he would not like condone you being any certain way to somebody and he would not behave any certain way to somebody, but he would be definitely saying shit that wasn't cool. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, we understand things differently now. And, um, and like, I don't think if I was single and if I was just whatever, I was living whatever, like kind of wild lifestyle I might be getting up to if I, if I hadn't gone down this path, um, I don't think it would make that much of a difference. But, um, as far as like the scene goes and stuff, I mean, I feel like you know, obviously very, everyone's very accepting and everything, but I feel like, and I don't know if this will uh, make sense to a lot of people or if maybe this will resonate with, with people, but I feel like people see me um, one way and when they start to understand me as more than that one way, I think that they don't know what to do with that. And... Um, and that's the way that I felt about, like, uh, coming out as, like, um, non-binary or possibly, like, you know, uh, someone who's who leans more in one, you know, way um, on that spectrum than the other, um, is I think that... More. Is I think that some people... Uh, regardless of the fact that they're okay with that, they don't know what to do with that. Like, like, what is, what does it mean when, you know, like, what does it mean to them to be as open with someone once they know that this person might be attracted to them or whatever. You know what I mean? Even though like I'm way past that in my life, like being like um, seeking any kind of like physical relationships with anyone, you know, other than my partner. Like um, I think I felt that. Like I felt like people, there's, there's a weird there's a weird closed offness like where I used to feel like um 
people were more open with me. Uh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's kind of disappointingly regressive in a way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because like, yeah, yeah I don't, I don't know, you know, but it, it, yeah, it's just, um, I don't think that that's, that's not a, um, a critique or a, a judgment on like the scene as it were, you know, um, I think that's just a, a, a judgment on like people's, um, perceptions of like, uh, intimacy, you know, um, without totally. like platonic, platonic intimacy, you know what I mean? It's like, um, people feeling like they have to have their guards up for some reason, you know? And, um, I don't know, maybe that's, maybe that's less to do with, uh, someone becoming aware of like my sexuality or my, you know, um, my alignment to gender, you know, and things. And maybe it's more to do with just like, um, me like oversharing or whatever, <laughs> like maybe that's what's going on. I don't know. You know? I mean, I think within within Screamo, at least in terms of oversharing, you're in you're in good company. We're all terminal <laughs> That's sharers, what, aren't we? <laughs> That's why we're here, right? Yeah. Yeah, That's absolutely. Like, yeah. Just <laughs> I got into this to roll around on a floor and cry. And that's what I came here to do. Yeah. I think that's like actually why most of us are in <laughs> Um so I wonder if you could talk a little I don't know how much you can talk about it, but talk about the split that Koma Regali is about to do with Overo Zokor and Punch On. Um, well, yeah, it's, uh, it's all, it's all online now. Um, I haven't, um, I haven't really been to the computer. I think, I think people, uh, folks from the other bands, like really kind of had it covered. So I wasn't, um, yeah, it's all it's all online now. Um, so, uh, long story short, is we recorded some songs, and we were going to just put them online. We were just gonna like put them on YouTube. We weren't gonna tell anybody about them. Like, we were just gonna do this surprise release. We're just gonna put them over there, see if people found them. Like, that's what we were going to do. That's something I've been saying I'm going to do for, like, more than five years. And every single time somebody comes along and is like, do you want to do something cool? And I'm like, we already have the songs. So that's exactly what happened. We had these songs. They are pretty much totally recorded. Just had to do, like, some mixing and whatnot. And Brandon from Overo was like, do you want to be part of this project? You know, this split. And I love Overo. They're probably, <clears throat> I don't know, they're definitely one of my, like, top five, like, active bands right now. Um, like, I just, I love them. Um, and I was like, yeah, I can't say no to that. And um, Brandon was like, well, when can you have songs? And I'm like, I already have songs. So... So the secret thing didn't happen again. Um, instead, we we used uh, those songs, and um, yeah, we had just you know we had done them um, with uh, 
like Jason recorded the drums and uh, I did the guitars and um, Tom um, Burkett, who uh, plays in the band Katie and also plays in the band Komarov. Um, Tom did the bass on those. Tom plays bass with us when we tour Europe. Uh, Tom's the official Komaragalia European bass player. Um, so yeah, we <clears throat> we always like we did a tour, um, our first tour, and then Tom did bass on our split with um, Dreyafen, and uh, and then when we did our other tour over there, I was like, we'll do some more songs, and so we we did the songs, and and uh, it was kind of a long time from when Jason and I like started getting the songs together to where they were finally um, ready, but then it was like they were pretty much ready, and then Brendan was like, do you want to do that? So it was a very serendipitous. And um, You're a victim of your own success, huh? <laughs> I suppose so. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny because in, in the same little circle of, like, um, like, being involved in all these um, split records and stuff, somebody somebody asked me, you know, because we were talking about diff, we were talking about the difficulties of um, arranging splits and um, and long distance projects and stuff, and how sometimes it's just like people just can't, um, for one reason or another, people just can't finish things, you know, or they can't, whatever. And, um, and so I was like, you know, in confidence, I was like, um, d um, telling some stories, you know, like, oh, if you think this instance was bad, how about this? You know, and we were just like having our little war stories. And, um, and my friend said, why do you keep doing all these splits when they're like so hard to you know, get together and when they're so hard or whatever. And I was like, because people keep asking me <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I just, I like their bands and I can't say no. And so that's exactly, that's exactly what happened. Coma does do like a prodigious number of splits. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone said on an Instagram post and it seemed like they were not kidding because they had a very, like f fact like tone to the rest of this little post that they made but someone said that they counted 71 releases and i was like what <laughs> that may, may or may not be true i don't know but i was like you are is this for real my partner Maybe. said is it and i was like i don't know <laughs> maybe uh maybe middleman's closer to 200 if that's the case yeah well i mean i th i imagine they were counting like our songs that were on other people's you know things like in one off oh, yeah. or not but yeah yeah i i, I don't know I, i'm i'm fairly sure we're in into the 150 territory but uh i don't i don't know that's so exciting though yeah um I, yeah yeah please I don't know. I, 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 in true comic book lover form, I have to find out and, and plan for the next, um, big, um, 
big number. If it's 150, like what's release 150 going to be? What's release 200 going to be? Oh, yeah, I got to do something ceremonial. <laughs> yeah. Much like the podcast we're doing right now. Yeah. Uh, release 200, The Trial of Magneto. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, and I wonder, too, and maybe this will be, you know, where where we sort of end it, but, like, what inspired you to start doing everything remade? Um. <clears throat> So that, there's a lot, I guess there's kind of a lot to that as well, but um, try to keep it as short as I can. Like, I always, <clears throat> I always had a lot of um, trouble just like chatting with people and how I deal with that anxiety is, is um, I know a lot of people probably do the same thing is by like when I'm nervous, I just keep talking and talking and talking. And um, so I'm like making friends with people, but I'm like, I feel like I'm not really listening. Like, it's not that I'm not listening. It's just that I'm nervous and I'm talking a lot. And so I'm not getting to know them as well as I wish that I was. And so I was like, I want, and I felt like, there's there's a lot of bands that people don't necessarily talk about, you know, and when and how, like, how do you let those people have a chance to talk about, you know, their bands and stuff? And so I kind of thought, like, well, um, if I do this thing where I give people the chance to talk about themselves, then I'll not only I'll get to know them better, but I will be able to sort of like immersion therapy, like just by having a time set where I'm going to talk to someone for an hour or longer than an hour or whatever, then I will become more comfortable just like chatting with people. And I kind of cheat sometimes because I do know some other folks like a lot better than others. You know what I mean? Um, so totally. it feels a little cheating because like I'm already fairly comfortable with those people. But sometimes I do just like, I'm just like, I like their band. I want to get to know them. I think they that they have some things that people should, you know, to say that people should hear. So let's do that. And um, so it's kind of been that. It's been um, wanting to give people a chance to talk about uh, their experiences uh with like learning music what what they thought was hard about it um and uh their successes you know and their failures and and seeing hopefully if um <clears throat> if that can inspire people who are on the fence about trying it themselves or if it can just gives people something that they can relate to you know as far as like well i already I mean, I just chatted with someone not that long ago, and after we were done talking, they were saying uh, they they listen to the ones where they don't know the band. They're like, and then when when those people turned out to be awesome people, then they listen to the band and they like the band that much more. And that's kind of ultimately like the best compliment that I could get. I think is that like it's helped some people connect um, 
in a deeper way to something that already meant something to them or to find something that they can connect to that they didn't already know about. That's certainly true of my experience. Yeah, I think I think that's really incredible. So there you have it, my friend, Sean Decker. Thank you so much for the lovely conversation and for a hundred great episodes. And to everyone out there, thank you for listening. Take care and do good things.